Well, good morning. Can I tell the truth? I'd rather be in there. I'm telling you, when I left, they gave me a standing ovation. I went back again, and they gave me another one. Oh, I love those kids. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so excited that, I mean, it's been two years coming, and now we have this incredible children's ministry, and uh, we're going to advertise. So if you haven't seen it, I want to encourage you after the service just to go down there. They've got some cookies and some punch, but you need to see it. It is absolutely awesome. Well, we are in a series right now called The Armor of God, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. And, um, you know, this, this series that we've been in, we're, we're in the fifth week, and we've got one more week to go after this. But I hope that you're learning from this series, because I got to tell you, I have learned tremendously, and my life has changed just simply by the way I'm using what God is giving us and implementing in my life. The Apostle Paul, remember, is in prison. He's in Rome, right? And remember what he's doing? He's writing a letter. They called it an epistle. It's a prison epistle. And he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. And it's an encouraging letter, but he's telling them, this is how you need to dress for the battle. Now, we know what the battle is, right? Because we're all in it. You're either in it, or you're coming out of it, or you're going into it, but there's always a battle that we must face. And someone may ask you, well, so what is this battle? It's when all hell breaks loose in your life. It's when Satan turns his focus on you, and the target becomes registered on your back, and he comes after you. And Paul says, listen to me, when that happens in your life, God has given us the tools so that we can be successful. These are what makes all the difference between winning and losing. And then he tells us, what are the parts that we must use? And the very first three parts, remember, he tells us, we have to put these on. In other words, every day when you get up, you've got to put your battle clothes on. And remember what the first one is? It's called the belt of truth. Why the belt of truth? Because what does a belt do? It holds everything together, right? You've got to know and believe that there is truth. And what is truth? Truth is God's view on any subject. Not the government, not your teacher, not even your mom and dad. It's God's view on any subject. Once you put on the belt of truth, then we go to the next part, which is what? The breastplate of righteousness. In other words, when I know what truth is, now I know what is right and what is wrong, and I choose to do what is right. That's righteousness. The third piece that he tells us to put on, remember, are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Everybody wants peace in their life, right? How do you get peace? It's real simple. When you know what truth is, when you choose to do the right thing, even in the midst of the battle, you can have peace. Why? Because I know I'm doing the right thing. Now Paul changes his attitude, and he changes the words that he uses. And now he doesn't tell us to put on, but now he tells us this. You got to take up these next pieces. And the first piece that he tells us to take up, remember, is the shield of faith. This is what we hold out against. Remember, the shield has to be out front. It protects us. It covers us. From what? 
Well, the Bible tells us the flaming arrows that Satan attacks us with to distract us. We've got to keep that out front, and as long as we stay behind it, guess what? We will be protected. And now today we come to the last piece that we put on, and it's called the helmet of salvation. It's the last piece that you put on. All right. Now, this went over really big in first service. I'm not sure how it's going to go over in this service, but we're going to find out, okay? How many of you know this? Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. (laughs) The poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, and up to the ground comes some bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, oh, Jed's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Jed, move away from there. Says, California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. Hills, that is. <laughs> Swimming pools, movie stars, the Beverly Hills. All right, good. You know that. All right. So here's my question for you today. Jed Clampett, this hillbilly from Tennessee, okay, when was it that he became a millionaire? Was it when he discovered the oil or was it on the day that he was born into the family as an inheritance? Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This is God's Word for God's people, okay? Let's pray the prayer we've been praying together, okay? Here we go. Say it like you mean it. Father, today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God, which you have given me, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. By faith, I'm prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, man, as I was running over here, I got a little winded, and so I had to kind of catch my breath, and I even got a little dizzy, you know, I'm a diabetic, so my numbers go up and down, so if you don't mind, I just wanted to nibble off this carrot for a little bit if I could, okay? Now, 
if you don't know what I'm talking about, remember last week, what did Pastor Aaron talk about? Carrots, right? How he hated carrots. Pastor Aaron, there you go, my friend. Oh, oh. I saw that in the screen. Good thing. Welcome to our family. I want you to remember that the brain is to the body what the mind is to the soul, okay? Just like your brain controls all of your bodily functions, you know what? Your mind controls your soul functions. Case in point, if someone has a brain disease such as dementia or one of the dementia diseases, you know what happens? Eventually, that individual loses control of themselves. Did you know that if I can control the way you think, I can control the way you act? Isn't it amazing how the way that you think always shows up on the outside? So, for example, when you, are, when you are thinking a certain way about yourself, however you perceive yourself, right or wrong, it's always going to show up on the outside for the rest of us to see. I think about this. When I was in high school, remember I was so skinny. And I remember the kids used to say, hey, Bobby, turn around and stick your tongue out. Somebody will mistake you for a zipper. You know what? That had a great impact on how I lived my life until I found out about something called the weight room. And you know what? Since that day, even today, I still go to the weight room. You should have seen the look on those guys' face when I came for that first five-year reunion. I was standing tall and large. (laughs) Now, here's what I want you to understand. The way you think is the way you are. And if I can influence the way you're thinking, I can change the way you act. Now in sports we call it trash talking. How many of you know have heard of trash talking before? So trash talking, the definition of trash talking is this. It's when your opponent will speak fiction, nonfiction into your mind, truth or lies into your mind for the purpose of distracting, scaring, and deceiving you. Because your opponent knows that if he can get into your head, he can change the way and change the way you think that he's going to change the way you play, which will influence the outcome. Case in point, when we were living in Florida, One of the things that I used to do is I used to go to the the Bay Hill Classic. Sometimes it's called the Arnold Palmer Classic. His his house was just across the way there. It was one of the PGA golf tournaments, but the reason I like this tournament is because it wasn't a major, so you could get really close to the players. So I went to visit, and I went to this particular hole. I went to the first hole because I just wanted to see the guys tee off, and I waited as the groups went by, but there was a specific group that I was waiting for, and here they came. Two young kids, I didn't know who they were, and they came, and they were on the, they were on the tour, and they stood probably about from here to the, 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 um, the whatchamacallit, the thing away from me, okay? All right, now listen, all right? All of a sudden, the person that I was waiting for walked onto the tee box. 
His name was Tiger Woods. When he walked on to that, that first tee box, he came over by where those other two youngsters were standing, and there were people everywhere. And he said to them, good morning, gentlemen. And they replied to him, good morning, Tiger. Without a smile on his face, he looked at him and he said, it's Mr. Woods to you. I'm like, this is going to be good. So what happened next was, he said to them, it was during the, the end of the basketball year, it was during the tournament, and he said to them, he goes, he said, hey, did you guys catch that game last night? Yeah, we did. Did you stay up to watch the end of it? It was a really good game. And they both said, yeah, we did. And then he said, I can tell, you both look a little tired. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm like, that dude's already in their heads, right? But see, he knew that part of what he wanted to do is he wanted to influence the way they thought because he could then, he could determine how they would play and that would influence the outcome. All right, now listen very carefully. I say all that so that you will understand this. The battle that we're talking about today happens in your mind. The battlefield where this battle takes place is your mind. And Paul begins by simply telling us this. If you're going to win this battle, you have to have your helmet on. All right, now let me ask you a question. How many of you, if you were a burglar, would case an empty house looking for the right time that you could go in and just take everything in the house. You wouldn't do that, would you? Why? Because it's empty, right? Or how about this? How many people do you know that our thieves would go to a beggar and try and steal from him? Well, most people aren't going to do that. Why? There's nothing to gain, right? I want to say that again. The reason you wouldn't go to the empty house, the, pre- the reason you wouldn't go to the beggar is this, because there's nothing to gain. Now listen very carefully. When you're in the battle and Satan casts his eyes upon you and all hell breaks loose in your life, you need to understand that the reason he's coming after you is because there is something to gain. Do you understand that? He's coming after you because there's something to gain. Now, let's look at what God says about this because God speaks to us about this. Take a look at this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Those are plans, remember? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What's he telling us? It's a spiritual battle, right? And if it's a spiritual battle, it needs spiritual weapons. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. All right, now, what did God just tell us to do there? Here's what he said. He said, you have to stand. And not only just stand, but you gotta stand firm. In other words, what God is saying to us is this. 
the place where you are standing, your marriage, your family, your position, this was given to you by God. And God says, don't you dare for one moment give one inch to the devil. Nowhere in this word did it say God will stand for us, people. It says you and I have to stand. And the only way we can stand is we've got to be wearing the armor of God. Truth, righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace with their hobnails in them so I can stand firm. And this is what God tells you. He says you have to stand firm. All right, now, here's the next question I hope you're asking. Okay, so I understand that. I understand what God is telling me. I understand the battles in my mind. But what exactly, Pastor Bob, is the devil going after? You know what the answer is? He's going after what you know about God. And he's been doing that since the very first day that life came onto this earth. You see, Satan wants you to believe that you don't have what God says you have. Do you understand that? He's coming after what you believe about God, and he wants you to know, I want you to, so that you don't believe that what you have is what God says you have. And you know how he does it? He plays on your emotions. My friends, you can never trust your emotions because your emotions will always lie to you. I don't feel very loved today by God. I'm not feeling in my prayer life, Pastor Bob, that God's hearing my prayers. You know what, I, I'm just not feeling like, like I'm a child of God, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not sure that I'm actually saved. How many of you experience that? I experience it almost every day. And I know it's going to come this afternoon. And what God is telling us this, he's saying this, he says, listen, ladies and gentlemen, he's saying, that's the kind of stuff that you can't let the devil get a foothold in. You can't play the game of feelings. So what does God tell us to do? Truth. He says you rely on truth. And what is truth? It's the belt that we put on. It's that which holds everything together. What is truth? Truth says you are loved by God. No matter how you feel, you are loved by God. When you feel like you're alone, truth says you're never alone because the Bible says I am with you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So part of winning the battle that happens out here is you gotta put on that helmet of salvation and that knowledge that is based on truth, not on how you feel. And you gotta call the devil out. I don't feel love today, baloney devil. Because the Bible tells me that I belong to God, that I am his child. The Bible says God is love. That's how we have to respond. All right, now, I want you to think about something. The helmet that we put on, what's it called? The helmet of what? Salvation, right? So the battle is in my mind. Satan is after what I know about God. So why is this helmet called the helmet of salvation? Here's why. 
Remember, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the church at Ephesus, right? People, they're believers. He's writing to people who are already saved, just like you and I. He's writing to us, and here's what he's saying. This now is how you should think. As a believer, this now is how you should think. Take a look at this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You understand what's happening? You know what Satan's attacking about what you know about God? Your salvation. So here's how God wants you to think about this salvation. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Let's say that again. Let's say that together. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Okay? A little bit louder. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Now like you really mean it. By grace, through faith, unto good works. That's how God wants us to think first and foremost about our salvation, by grace. What does that mean? It's a gift. God loves you so much. He gave you a gift. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. God sent his son Jesus, born of a virgin, He lived the perfect life in this world. He went to the cross. He died a horrible, painful, excruciating death. And he rose from the dead. You know why? It's not because of anything you did. It's not because you deserve it. It's simply because he gave you a gift. And the reason he gave you a gift is because in the Bible it says, God is, finish it, love. You have no participation. God gave it to you because of his love for you. It's not because you have curly hair. It's not because you're tall or you're short. It's simply because God loves you. So because of that gift that he's given to me, I have faith, I have power, I have joy, and I have peace, and the result of that is faith. What does faith mean? I believe. That's what it means, I believe. Because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, because of what God gave me, this, this, this gift he gave me, guess what? I believe. And it's not just a blind faith, ladies and gentlemen. It's a faith based on experience and God's interaction in my life. And it doesn't just happen once in a half while, it happens daily. Because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I have faith. And I want you to understand something. I know what it feels like to be in want. I know what it feels like to be broken. I understand what it means to be hopeless. 
but I know more than anything about what it means to be forgiven. And I have been forgiven simply because of the grace of God and that has brought about in me in faith. And guess what happens next? Because I have faith, I'm so tickled that I have to live out what I believe. In other words, the works that I do simply come because of the grace of God, the faith that I have, and I can't help but being like him because the more I hang around him, the more I abide in him, the more I look like him. That's the message that God wants us to hear. Take a look at this. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, what I want you to understand about is this. What we just read there, that's the ground that God says don't give an inch. That's where you find your faith, and that's what you believe, and there's power in that knowledge because that's what Satan wants to steal and rob from you. All right, now, we're almost done. James, or excuse me, Paul tells us that it's a good thing to keep your helmet on, and the reason is is because if you don't keep your helmet on, you might receive a fatal blow. In other words, one blow to the head could destroy you, could defeat you. I want to show you something here. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. Now, this is an Old Testament story. And the Philistines, who were the nemesis of the Hebrews, had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. Remember what the Ark of the Covenant represented? It represented the presence of Almighty God. And what they did is they brought this Ark of the Covenant and they brought it into the temple of Dagon, and it was there to prove to the rest of the world that Dagon was more powerful than the God of the Hebrews. I need to understand something. In battle... When there was a battle, if they wanted to make sure somebody was dead, they cut off their head. So they would go through, and when they would pillage, if there was someone who they thought was, wasn't dead, they would chop off their head. Because the head separated from the body, they knew they were dead. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this. You see, in those days, just like in today, the head represents leadership. 
The head represents, represents government. The head represents power. So whenever the head is removed, there is always a shift in leadership and power. Case in point, Queen Elizabeth passed away. Now it is given to her son. There's a shift. He's not going to lead exactly like Queen Elizabeth did. He's a different leader. And the same is true in life. Listen to me. The Bible refers to the man as the head of the house like Christ is the head of the church. Why does Satan want to come after men? Why does he want to come after fathers? Because if he can deal a fatal blow to the fathers, he can destroy the rest of the family. How do you know that, Pastor Bob? Because when a father brings his kids to church, 94% of them stick. But when a mom brings the kids to church, less than 20% of them stick. That's how I know that. So what Apostle Paul is telling us is that when you're in the battle, don't lose your head. Because when you lose your head, there's a shift in power. Now look at something here in Psalm 23. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. How many of you heard that before? We've heard that before, right? What part of the body is anointed? The head. Why the head? Because a clear head is leadership. Look at this. The anointing signified holiness and a separation unto God for a purpose of God. Look at this. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? All right, here's what I want you to understand, okay? It's God who does the anointing. Fundamentally, it's the Lord who does the anointing. And what I want you to understand here is that the Lord anoints us and sets us apart for a holy war, for a battle. And that battle is fought in our minds. And the Bible teaches us that the power and knowledge of salvation is all we need to win this battle. This is what the Roman helmet looked like. It was large. You can see the red broom that it had on it. It was made of metal. And you know what? Because it was made of metal, it was heavy. I want you to notice that if you look at the very back, there's a, there's a piece here that hangs down in the back. In those days, they had a weapon that was called the battle axe. And the battle axe was something that could deliver a very blunt force. It could kill somebody. And so what they did is they put their helmet on and they had that hanging in the back so that would protect the back of their head from being decapitated. Now what's interesting about this is that when they would put this helmet on, it was very heavy and it wasn't very comfortable. So you know what they did? They would put a sponge underneath it. And you know what they did with that sponge? They anointed it with oil. You know why? Because it made the sponge soft and it made the helmet comfortable to wear. Today, NFL football begins, right? Okay? And what I want to share with you a little bit is that... Um, 
So because Dan worked for the 49ers, I, he gave me this helmet, but this is a helmet that actually played in a season of football for San Francisco, and then it was rotated out. And you can see on the inside, it's filled with padding. The helmet is there to protect the head. They're concerned about the head because when you damage the head, you damage the brain, and that affects everything else, right? So one of the things that they started doing this year is there's another padding that they wear over the helmet, and they have to wear this so many times during the preseason. Why? To make sure their heads are protected. Now, not only does the helmet protect our head, but it also surrounds our minds. Today, when you're watching NFL football, ladies, I want you to notice that on the back of every quarterback's helmet, there's a green sticker. There's also a green sticker on one person's helmet on the defense. You know what that green sticker means? It simply means that that is a helmet that has a microphone or a speaker system in it. The quarterback wears the helmet so that he can hear the play from the offensive coordinator. I want you to think about this for a moment. Where's the offensive coordinator? He's way up high. He's above everything. And what he does is he speaks into the quarterback's mind, telling him, this is what you have to do in the midst of the battle of the game to be successful. I know because I see everything that's happening from up here. Sometimes you will see a quarterback with his helmet on and he'll cover the ear holes. Why is that? Because the crowd is so, lo- so loud and he needs to hear from the man upstairs. Now, here's something that you need to understand. In the NFL, there's a 25-second clock. So when that 25-second clock starts, there's somebody upstairs speaking into the quarterback's head. But what you may not know is that the NFL has a person that turns that off with 12 seconds to go. So if you don't have your play into the quarterback's head before 12 seconds to go, everything goes dark. Now here's what I want you to think about. This is like the helmet of salvation. And the reason that God tells us that we need to wear the helmet of salvation is because he only wants one voice speaking into our helmet, into our mind. Just one. And it's his. And the words that he gives us are the words that we need to be successful in the battle. But then... The 12 seconds begin, and it's quiet. You know what happens then? That's when it's your responsibility and my responsibility to take what we have heard from the man upstairs and be obedient and put it into action. Because if you want to hear God's voice again, 
He demands obedience. And so some of you in here, if you're trying to think, why do I not feel like I'm hearing God speak, my response to you might be this. Maybe you need to go back and be obedient to what God told you to do first. Remember, we are set apart by God, and we are anointed for a holy battle. And so I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm going to ask our anointers to go and take their place. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward, and we'll have people even that will be coming upstairs. And what I want you to know is that we're just going to anoint you with a cross. Nobody's going to speak any words over you. They're just going to anoint you with a cross. But the ointment is a reminder. A reminder of what, Pastor Bob? A a reminder of this. You have been set apart. You have been empowered. And all God is asking you to do is He's calling you to remember not just who you are, but whose you are. Before a Roman soldier would go into battle, they would anoint him with oil, remember? So that the sponge would become soft and the helmet became comfortable. But that oil was a reminder of who he was. He was a Roman soldier, and nobody messes with the Roman soldiers. Paul tells us you and I are also, so we are warriors. We are in a battle. We are soldiers. We are Christian soldiers of our Lord God. And we need to be reminded, and the oil reminds us that we have been set apart by God for a holy purpose. I invite you, as Pastor Phil's playing, I want you to come forward. Get up out of your seats. Come forward and receive the anointing from our God.
going to lead us in a song as we continue this process here. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. As you go into the battle, remember you've been set apart. You belong to him. You already have the victory. God bless you. We'll see you next week.